Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 588. Chapter 88. Listening. Tempe and I returned to find the camp surprisingly cheerful. Dayton and Hespi were smiling at each other, and Martin had managed to shoot a wild turkey for dinner. So we ate and joked, and after the washing up was done, Hespi told her story about the boy who loved the moon, starting again at the beginning. Dayton kept his mouth miraculously shut, and I dared to hope our little group was finally, finally starting to become a team. Jax had no trouble following the moon, because in those days, the moon was always full. She hung in the sky, round as a cup, bright as a candle, all unchanging. Jax walked for days and days until his feet grew sore. He walked for months and months, and his back grew tired beneath his packs. He walked for years and years, and grew up tall and lean and hard and hungry. When he needed food, he traded out of the tinker's packs. When his shoes wore thin, he did the same. Jax made his own way, and he grew up clever and sly. Through it all, Jax thought about the moon. When he began to think he couldn't go another step, he'd put on his spectacles and look up at her. Round bellied in the sky, and when he saw her, he would feel a slow stirring in his chest. And in time, he came to think he was in love. Eventually, the road Jax followed passed through Tinue, as all roads do. Still, he walked, following the great stone road east toward the mountains. The road climbed and climbed. He ate the last of his bread and the last of his cheese. He drank the last of his water and last of his wine. He ended the page. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And there's no Nick. He's off chasing the moon. Well, if he doesn't bring it back for us, I don't know what I'm going to say. Hmm. What do you have to say on this page? I mean, this, okay, we already know this story, so I feel like I don't have notes. But if I was to be reading this story for the first time, I feel like I would have more notes. Like, things that jump out to me about this story... That I'm like, oh, that's weird is how this is before, because we don't, if we were to read this story for the first time, we wouldn't know that Jax was going to, like, take the moon out of the sky and cause all these problems, sort of. Um, so, like, the idea that this is before the moon had phases is like, whoa, what a crazy concept. <laughs> oh, Yeah. So it's back in the day when back these in there's so long ago that that the moon was just full all the time. Right, full and unchanging. Yeah. And also, I guess it's because it's a story, it's like this, but the idea that someone would actually think that they could walk on the ground in order to reach something in the sky seems mm. like totally ridiculous. <laughs> like yeah, where's the logic more- in that? <laughs> That is one of the things that makes it feel like a fairy story. But if we treat the story allegorically, then 
the him walking is like a metaphor, right? It's like him trying to reach for this thing that he wants. And apparently he picked a silly way to go about it because there are totally easier ways to reach for that particular thing. Mm. Something that strikes me about the way the story is written is how uh, it foreshadows like evil and disaster. Um, like, especially in the way Jax is described, because like nothing that he does or says is necessarily like makes him seem like a bad guy. But he grew up to be lean and sly. Lean and hard and hungry, clever and sly. And like sly in particular. Yeah. You tend not to describe good characters in stories as sly. Clever, maybe. Odysseus is clever. He's not described as sly, right? Reynard the fox is sly. Yeah, sly feels like it comes with a dark side. Exactly. Loki is sly. So we just jumped from talking about the Lathani to now the story, back to the story of Jax. And interesting that between the two halves of the story of Jax, we have this discussion about the Lathani because it's about sort of what is the correct moral code and what Jax is about to do feels very much not like the Lathani. And yeah. like maybe the way that he and the Tinker had that chat feels maybe not so much like the Lathani, but that's sort of beside the point of like the thing that Jack Jax is about to do is definitely not of the Lathani. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think that they are kind of deliberately juxtaposed. Here is a story about, you know, even in the kindest interpretation, an innocent kid who doesn't realize what he's doing is going to mess things up real bad. And a discussion about a philosophy of how to know that you're always going to do the right thing. I also think another characterizing moment for Jax in the story is the line, and in time he came to think he was in love. Right? Ooh, that yes. is telling us how a telling, lot. How telling that is. Right? Because if he was in love, then the story would say, and in time, Jax fell in love with the moon. Right? That's yes. not what the narrator of the story says. That's not how Hespi learned the story. The story goes, he came to think he was in love with the moon, which is a very important distinction. Yes. Right? Yeah, that is definitely like a small but important word difference. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially when it's when it's paired up with the way he's described as being hungry and covetous and sly, it starts to paint him as a rather sinister figure. I am reminded very much of the protagonist of Rothfuss's uh, children's books about the, the little girl. Uh, and at the end of that book, we find out what a horrible little girl she is. And the the things that have happened up to the uh, up till then in the story that are framed in this kind of cheery storybook way suddenly take on a much more sinister cast. I think this close reading this story is definitely giving me that sense of Jax as like a a sinister character. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a more obvious way than that children's story did. Well, maybe, but I'm not sure that I had that sense of it when I read this book you know, the last five times I read it, I think it was just like, oh yeah, Jax, he seems like, you know, the typical protagonist of a fairy tale. Well, definitely like the first time I read the Jax story, 
as I was reading it, I was like, yeah, yeah, typical protagonist. But by the time I had finished it, I was like, oh, Jax is bad. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't remember how the story turns out. So I guess I'm going to I'm going to find out. I remember thinking, I actually, I also don't remember how it ends. I just remember thinking like he did something wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, but lots of protagonists of fairy tales do something wrong without being bad people. Yes. You but, know, like, like, like. I don't know. There was something about the way the story ended that made me like un- like deeply unsettled and I can't remember what it was. Although, having now reread the first part of this story of Jack's, I'm just sort of like bolstered in that thinking because now having the first part of that story again, I instantly did not like the way that he and Tinker went about their conversation. <laughs> Mm. like i still think the tinker is more at fault than Jax was in that situation because Jax is was a kid but i i don't like it say so it's not sitting well with me although i don't think it's supposed to so but he's like a little damien he's like a little like antichrist kid yeah i am wary of that sort of thing what do you mean i mean like especially in stories like feel like kids who are just rambunctious little shits can grow into definitely super villains. Well, yeah, like that's kind of my point. Like given that we think are now thinking of Jax as like a sinister and malevolent character, then the Tinker is surely under no narrative obligation to treat him kindly. No, but if he, if the Tinker treated him differently, theoretically it might change... Like it might, he can, as a kid, even as a rambunctious kid, like they still have the capacity, they can be saved, you know, like, like the Tinker didn't take any steps to like, maybe turn that in a better direction. (laughs) I know that we have different philosophies on this because I don't think the Tinker did anything particularly nasty or malevolent in that last section of the story but i think as the story goes on we're going to come to realize more and more that there was never any saving jacks that from the moment that we meet him he's like evil (laughs) i mean i suppose that could be true uh well we'll we'll have to see how the story develops did you have anything you wanted to say about the part of this page before the tilda brand uh probably not (laughs) let me let me double check Oh, everybody's in a really good mood. How nice is that? How unexpected also. (laughs) I think it probably helps that they're all getting a little bit of space from each other, right? Tempe went to town. Martin was off hunting and presumably the other two were were taking care of camp. So I think that maybe like sort of breaking out into their own little groups helped dispel some of the tension. And maybe, maybe Dayton and Hespi got some quality time together. I think... I don't think they've progressed that far in their relationship. I don't mean like, I don't mean like, I don't mean like sexy quality time or anything. I just mean like they got to be in each other's space and like stuff like just not, not like, like literally just got to spend time together. Like literally just that. (laughs) Yeah, they did. But I I don't know if that's actually good for them or not. Because we also know that they've been driving each other crazy. Yeah. But I think in the context of there's other people around, it's different. You might well be right. Like spending time with just just a person versus that person while also in the company of others are not the same thing. You know what? That's entirely fair. And we will be entirely fair on tomorrow's page. 
of the wind. wind.